Good morning, family. Good to see everybody. Hope you guys are doing well today. I want you to turn your neighbor, punch him in the arm, and say, you need the word of God. You are messed up. You need the word of God really bad. I can tell. I can tell. I know some of y'all, looking at some of y'all right now, I know how bad you need the word of God. It's really bad. So I'm glad you're here. This last week, we started a kind of a two-part sermon on the subject of finding your place. And more specifically, we're talking about how you find your place at God's table. We talked about how we all sit around different tables, the dynamics of that, what it's like around family and the different people that we gather around. We also talked about the different people that Jesus invited around the table with him. The friction and the conflict that could have easily existed there because of how different some of those people were. Matthew, the tax collector, man, this guy, as far as the Jews are concerned, they were the worst of the worst sinners. They were horrible. We talked about the fact that it doesn't matter how messed up you feel like you are, how far away from God that you feel that you are, because of Jesus, he invites the worst of the worst. He invites people like me to come and sit at the table with him. We also talked about Simon the Zealot, these, these people that were zealous after Israel governing themselves. They hated Rome. And because they hated Rome, they also really, really hated tax collectors. We talked about how only Jesus can bring the kind of forgiveness that can bring two people that are so far apart, Matthew, a tax collector, and and Simon the Zealot, how God can bring those types of people together. And that God can bring anybody together. And we talked about how Jesus, that's how we know Jesus is the hope of our nation. It's not a new president. It's nothing else. Only Jesus can bring unity. Amen? And we need him. These are the types of people that Jesus invited to the table. We also talked about how it is when you get around the table it's when you realize God's vision for your life. Jesus, after he rose from the grave and he was walking around and some of his disciples saw him, but they didn't even recognize it was him because they were so discouraged. So he approached them. They're looking right at Jesus. And, they, and then Jesus asked them, like, why, why are you guys so bummed out right now? Why are you so downcast? And they, they were like, man, don't... Are you the only one around here who doesn't know what's happened? And Jesus is gone. So discouraged. But later on, when they got around the table with Jesus, that's when they saw him. And it's the same in our lives. It's really when we get around the table with God and the place that he has for us that we realize he was there all along. He never left us, he never forsake us. He loves us and he wants us to see the purpose for our lives. And this week has been so good, guys. We, we've spent some time in prayer and fasting in the morning. We've had some faithful saints showing up early in the morning and praying and praying for all y'all lazy people who won't get up early in the morning. And then we've been meeting in the evenings and, and some time of, of prayer and worship. And, man, the word's been good. It's been so good. It's been encouraging for me as a pastor to, to hear of so many different people that are 
that are pushing different things back for some time, pushing, pushing back the plate, pushing back social media, pushing back different things in their lives so that they could hear the voice of God. And man, Cody and I have been getting texts over the last couple of days of these answered prayers from people, people that have been praying that they could get pregnant for so long. They prayed, they fasted, and they're pregnant. And God is giving them a gift. And it's so incredible to see the things that God's been doing. People have been fasting all different kinds of things. We, we sat down as a family. We were asking our kids, you know, our four, our four kids, hey, kids, you know, what, what are we going to fast this week? What are you going to fast? What are you going to pick? And each one of the kids kind of picked different things. But Grayson, she's our youngest, and so she's just kind of figured this whole thing out. Like, I don't know, like, I don't think I should have to give up anything. Like, <laughs> I'm the baby, and so I'm kind of the one that gets whatever she wants, you know, and but she, she was thinking about this, and so Grayson, she's four, and she still sucks her thumb. Don't judge us. It's just too cute. We can't force her to stop. It's just it's too good. And so she sucks, her, she sucks this thumb. So she was thinking about this for a little bit, and, and, and Cody's like, Grayson, what are you going to fast this week? And she looked at her, and she said, Mom, I'm going to fast sucking this thumb. And we're like, Grayson, you don't suck that thumb. She's like, well, sometimes. <laughs> She's already smart. We had one guy in our church. Man, he didn't cuss for a whole week. Come on, let's give that guy a hand. Man, so proud of you, Ethan. It's just incredible that commitment that you have. It's a big deal, guys. It's a big deal. So, some of y'all have been fasting coffee. I've been fasting caffeine this week, guys. And so, I was doing my sermon prep at Starbucks yesterday. And I acted like I was in a good mood, but inside I was dying all day long. And I can tell some of y'all have been fasting coffee because during worship, y'all are like twitching and stuff. Like, it's all right. It's going to be over soon. The presence of God, though, has been amazing this week. Today, we're going to take communion. Communion is another one of those times when Jesus got around the table and something significant relationally happened. There's so many examples throughout the word. We're around a table. If you went and looked up, you did a word search on table and the word of God, you would see there's so many different times where these significant relational dynamics happen around the table. Uh, maybe one of the most significant was the Last Supper when Jesus gathered his disciples together and they didn't really understand everything was going on, but he was just telling them, look, don't forget about me. Don't forget to come around the table in my name. Don't forget in life to gather around the table of my will, of my word, and remember me. There's this verse, I think, that reminds us of how important it is that we realize the days that we're living in and how to live wise. It's in Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. This is a core verse of our church. I'm going to read in a little bit different translation. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools. Anybody seen anybody acting a little bit foolish these days, like on TV or social media? You seen anything just kind of crazy out there? Maybe just a little bit? But live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. 
Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. What it means to find your place at the table is it means that you, you've gotten close, you've, you've opened yourself up to hearing the voice of God, and, and in spite of all the craziness and the chaos that's happening around your life, he figured out where your spot is to do his will, to do what he wants you to do. That's what we've been talking about. I believe as a church it's important that we are always making room for someone else, one more person, to find their place at the table of God. We always have to be a church that's looking for that. But here's the thing, the problem is, it's easy for us to get comfortable in our spot around the table. You ever seen a church or been in a church where people get really possessive about the different areas that they may serve in in the church? Have you ever seen that one lady that's been greeting at the one specific door since 1986? It's her door. That's where she greets. But then there's that innocent new girl who's coming to serve, and she didn't know. And she went and she opened that door and she greeted somebody. And here comes the lady that's been opening that door since 1986 and she's reaching in her purse and you just know someone's about to die. (laughs) And so you got to videotape it. I mean, it's just what you got to do. Thankful we don't have people like that around here, but I will say that we can get there in our hearts where we just get complacent. We lose compassion about the fact that there's other people that are trying to find their place at the table too. You ever been in a restaurant and you, you, it's starting to get crowded? There's a lot of people coming in, you're at your table. Well, some people are like, well, we, like, you know, come on, let's, let's hurry up. There's other people that need a table. But some of us are like, they should have come at a better time. <laughs> you're going to eat a little slower. Or been in the parking lot and Someone pulls in behind you, you're getting ready to pull out, right? But they like watched you. We talked about this. You got to hunt for a spot sometime. But they watched you walk around and get in your car. And so they're sitting there with their turn signal on and they're just like tapping the top of their steering wheel because they want to get in your parking spot. I tell you what, sometimes I just wait a couple more minutes. Just sometimes I'm not a very nice person. The truth is this, I can get this way sometimes even pastoring. I can get to a place where I lose the compassion. Where I'm not as as compassionate about the fact that there's still people that need to find their place at the table. We have to be aware of these things. This last week we looked at this parable that Jesus talked about demonstrating the kind of compassion and passion that God the Father has for people to, to find their place at his table. He was talking about this to the Pharisees, trying to help them again with their religious thinking. This is what it says in Luke 14. It says, Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. Excuse number one. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm 
I'm on my way to try him out. Please excuse me. Excuse number two. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Another excuse. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered a servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys and the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. The master told his servant, then go out. Go out even further, then go further. The road, the country lanes, compel them in so that my house may be full. How do you get to the table? I think, first of all, you got to drop every excuse. You got to drop your excuses. Verse 17 says, come for everything is now ready. Look, eating back in Jesus' time, man, this was a big deal. It was an intimate affair. But here's the thing, when it would happen, there wasn't a specific timeline of when it was gonna happen. So it had to be the highest priority, especially if the king, if the master, if the Lord was going to invite you to come and do this, you just had to be flexible because there was too many unpredictable factors, like weather, you know, when was the fattened calf going to be ready? They didn't have a refrigerator, so it's not like they could just keep the meat stored away. When, when it came to preparing, they would prepare within a couple of days, and they had to have the feast, or, it would, or the food would be ruined. And so, so they'd say, well, it's going to be like in a couple of months. In a couple of months, sometime around this time, that's when it's going to be. And, and, man, you just had to be ready. It would, it would be like this. How many of you are Razorback fans? Any Razorback fans? You're not as enthusiastic um, these days about that. <laughs> I actually heard somebody say, go hogs. <laughs> it's always next year. But it'd be like the Razorback sending you a letter saying, hey, spring training is coming up. And what we'd want to do, we want to invite you to come. And after one of the practices during spring training, that one of those evenings, we want to invite you to come and eat with the team sometime during the spring. Well, it's kind of a broad set of dates. But I guarantee you, you would keep your calendar open so that when you got the call, you could show up. You'd want to be there for that. Meryl Streep wouldn't care that much about it, but you would want to be there for that <laughs> if you had a chance. Well, it's the same thing with this. When the day of the feast would come, the host would go out and you just say, today's the day. And you just dropped everything. God wants you at this table. And it's the most important thing that you can possibly do. It has to be the highest priority of your life. But some of us, man, we, we're just so busy. Some of you, you need your schedule to loosen up just a tad. There's a comedian, Brian Regan, he says it this way. He says, look, if you're the kind of person that has to microwave your Pop-Tart because you don't have time for it to be in the toaster, you need to loosen up your schedule just a little bit. And I think some of us, we need to loosen up our schedule some too so that we can be ready for the things of God, so we can be ready to find our place at his table. Ben Franklin said it this way, a person who's good at making excuses is seldom good at anything else. 
And verse 18 says, but they all like begin to make excuses. I think pressure creates excuses. There's the pressure of life. And I know that you guys are busy because I can see your calendars filling up, your schedules filling up. But a lot of times it's just the pressure of life because there's pressure to get the laundry done. And there's pressure to have dinner ready. And there's pressure to have good kids. And there's pressure to look good on social media. There's pressure to make work quotas and pressure with deadlines. Can you feel the pressure? Some of you right now, all you can think about is the things that you've got to get done. And I think that pressure drives you to a place where it's easy to make excuses. Look, it is so easy for me to make excuses. Sometimes God's asking me to do something and I'm like, Lord, you clearly don't know what's going on in my life right now. Lord, I'll share my Google Calendar with you. It will clear things up. All of us can get to that place. But here's the thing. The excuses to the invitation of this parable, the only way to say it is they're just insulting and ridiculous. They're just like, listen to some of them. I bought a field and I must go see it. Really, you bought some property sight unseen? Like, who goes and buys a piece of property, especially in Israel? It could just be all rocks and cactus. Like, it could be like the city of David could be under it. It could be like, it could be useless. So, you know, that's not legitimate. Another guy says, I bought five yoke of oxen. I need to go try them out. That'd be like you saying, I bought a new drill gun. I got to go make sure it works real good. And then another person, I just got married. Well, this seems legit, but it clearly proves that the invitation wasn't prioritized. But I will say this. If you are married, you better make it a priority to be around the table with God. (laughs) Because that's the only way that it works. You've got to be around the things of God. One One day Jesus he turned to this man, this man, and it's in Luke 9. He turns to this man, and he says, come and follow me. The guy replied to Jesus, Lord, let me first go and bury my father who died. Now, this story blows my mind because I would think that when this man says that his father died, that Jesus would be like, oh, no, well, okay, well, I'll tell you what, um, I'll get some people to help out. Uh, I'll get some ladies that can play the harp there. I'll get Peter to dig the hole because Peter's good at digging holes. And uh, I'll get Judas to, to buy some flowers. Uh, he's the treasurer, you know. Uh, and I'll do the funeral. You would think that, that that's what Jesus would say. But this is what Jesus said instead. Let the dead bury the dead. You come follow me. I can't tell you how many times I've read that and just thought, man, Jesus was having a bad day. Jesus must have been fasting caffeine because this is, that's just not what you would expect. But this is what Jesus was dealing with. What Jesus was dealing with was this phrase, and he deals with it in my life, and he deals with it in your life too at different points. It's the phrase, Lord, let me first. Let me first. And this is an oxymoron. It's a conflict of interest because you can't start a sentence by saying, Lord, 
and then say me first because Lord in the name means they're first. Their will is first. Everything that they want is first. You couldn't call someone Lord if you didn't subject yourself to anything that they needed you to do. But he says, Lord, let me first. What we're saying is that from the land to the oxen to the marriage to the funeral, they're all saying, Jesus, I want you to let me be first. Let me go take care of my personal business, uh, and then I'll let you be over the Lord, the Lord over your business. And, and when Jesus is saying, I want my business to be first in your life, I want, I want what's on my heart to be on your heart. Remember how desperate we are. That's another way that we find our way to the table. We gotta remember how desperate we are. Look, in every church, in every church, we have different things that are included. In every church, we have the crowd. And that just means the people that, that show up here, we pray for the crowd. We're so thankful the crowd is here. We welcome the crowd. And these are people that they're not sure if this is going to be their home church yet. And they may just show up a few times a year, maybe just during holidays. But in every church, you have a crowd. You also have the congregation. These are the people. It's like, yeah, this is going to be my church, and I'm going to be here. And they're probably going to give, and they're probably going to attend regularly. We're so thankful for the congregation. But then we have the core, and the core is the people who says, I'm not just here, but I want to build what's here. These are the people that serve and they change diapers and they, they get soaking wet, getting people a parking spot and they, they just serve and they greet people and they make coffee and they take care of people during the week and they're life group leaders and they're life group coaches and they're these people that they don't want to just be a person that's, that's adding to what's happening here, but they want to be people that are multiplying the work of God because they're not just going to do it in themselves, but they're going to teach somebody else to do it too. They're going to say, oh, look, I found my place at the table. I found my place, but I want you to come sit next to me, and I want you to show you some things too because I see a call in you. I see a purpose in you. I see some gifting in you, and, and, and I believe that God wants you to have a specific place within his kingdom and within his work and within his will. And in every church we have those things, but the only way that you take your next step, the only way you move from the crowd to the congregation to the core of what God is doing is you've got to be desperate for the people that aren't where you are and don't see it yet. You've got to keep that desperation. Verse 21, go quickly into the streets and the alleys and the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Look, these may not be the types of people that you're going to invite to your Super Bowl party, but these are the kinds of people that God wants at the table with him. But the reality is this, we are all crippled, blind beggars. And it's the realization of that. It's the desperation of understanding that that helps you find your place at the table, but it also makes sure that you're desperate for other people to find their place too. Every week, Pastor Rick encourages us to do this. What he does is before he speaks, he'll find someone in the audience. He does it really quickly, but he'll find someone in the audience that he just seems like maybe they're having a tough time. 
They may, they may just look downcast. They may just look bummed. He, he'll pick them out. And, and during his sermon, he'll think about that person. He'll consider, like, this is, these are the types of people that we're speaking to. And he encourages us to do the same thing. So I do it, oh, I do it pretty much every single week where I'll find somebody and I'll speak with the desperation of that person knowing that God loves them. But you know what helps me even more? It's remembering how broken I am. It's remembering that I don't deserve a place at the table. I'm not gifted enough, qualified enough. I'm not good enough to have a place at the table. But Jesus invited me. Jesus made a way. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. We've got to see those people and invite them and make sure that we're desperate enough for them to know, look, you have a place at the table and when you get around the table of God, he's going to heal you. He's going to heal you. The last thing is this, and then we're going to take communion. You have to be led to the table. The master told his servant, go out to the roads, the country, and lanes, and compel them. Compel them. Compel means to be strong, but they have to give you permission. And the bottom line is this. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can lead you to your place at the table. He's the one that's going to show you. Romans 8, 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. God is trying to lead you, but here's the thing. The Holy Spirit won't force you to do anything. And you can still choose to not come to the table. But the Holy Spirit wants to lead you to that place, but he also wants to lead you in life. One of the most discouraging things in the word is that God compares us to sheep. This is what it says in Isaiah 53. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us turning to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus said, we're like sheep without a shepherd. You ever thought about that? Well, I don't know if anybody sat around studying sheep. If you do, we'd love to get you plugged into a life group where you have community and fellowship with other believers. But I, I did, I looked at it a little bit. First of all, sheep can't defend themselves. Like they don't have fangs or claws. You've never seen a sign on someone's yard saying, beware of my sheep. Like there's nothing threatening about them. They're completely helpless on their own. They, they can barely run. Like they don't really have a lot of range of motion when they run. So if like something shows up to chase them, like, oh no. That's probably a pretty good impression. They can't clean themselves. Cats can clean themselves, but they're demon possessed. But a sheep, they can't, they can't do anything. Like if they're filthy, they're gonna stay filthy until somebody cleans them. most interesting thing about sheep is they have incredible peripheral vision because of where their eyes are located they can they can pretty much see all the way behind them looking forward 
ultimately what we're really good at doing too. Isn't it amazing that so often we are so fixated on what is behind us, what was in our past and our sins and our mistakes. You know, the other thing though is they have horrible death perception. (laughs) Horrible death perception. That's why they need a shepherd. They need somebody to show them the way. And it's not behind them, it's forward. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you. If you got dropped off in the middle of the jungle in Peru, 30,000 square miles of jungle, and you were asked, hey, you've got to get out of here, but you, you, you got a few different options of what you can use to get out of here. You either have a compass or, or you have a map or you have a guide. And you know, there was like this little guy there wearing a loincloth with a bone through his nose. And they ask you, what are you gonna use? I'd probably be like, well, if that dude puts on some pants, I'm gonna take the guy because, because he knows his way around. doesn't matter if you live five more years or 50 more years, you're going to need a guide in your life. And he is the Holy Spirit. And he wants to show you because you're in uncharted territory. You don't know what's going to happen. He wants to lead us. Let's let him do that right now. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I believe the Holy Spirit is leading you to a point to a place where you have an understanding of his love, his forgiveness, his grace. If you're ready to let the Lord Jesus Christ by his spirit be your guide, maybe for the first time in your whole life, or maybe you just, you know, you haven't been led by him in a long time. Invite him back to say, I need you. I need you to come back into my life. I need to rededicate my life to you this morning. If you're either one of those people, nobody looking around, heads bowed, every eye closed, but if that's you, would you please put your hand up right now and I want to pray for you. Come on, don't hesitate on this. This is the best and most important decision you can ever make. God, thanks, man. Praise God. Yes, man. Yes, sir. Anybody else? I just need to get right with Jesus today. I want him to lead me. I want him to guide me. God, thanks, man. Anybody else? Okay. A few hands. Praise God for that. Every person that raised your hand right now, you can have just a private conversation with God. At some point, you have to go public with this decision. The best way to do that is with your water baptism. But right now in your seat, just have an honest conversation with God. Just say, God, here's my life and I know that it is messed up and I know that I can't fix myself and I can't save myself but I believe that you sent your son Jesus Jesus died on the cross for my sin he paid the price so so that I could find my place so that I could have a place and right now I ask for your forgiveness for my sin for my mistakes and, and I'm going to stop living the way I've been living. I'm going to stop living for myself. I want to live by your word. Be my guide, Holy Spirit. Help me. Help me understand your word, your plan, your purpose. 
thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand up right now. We're gonna, we're gonna take communion together. Now, a couple things about this. First of all, we don't believe as a church that you have to be a member of our church to take communion with us. Uh, but the word does say that it's important for you to be a Christ follower. It says not to take communion in an unworthy fashion, meaning if there's unconfessed sin in your life or if, if there's unforgiveness that you have towards someone else, just examine your hearts, examine your life and get those things right with God. Get those things right, just confess them to him. Let him work in those areas of your life and then you can take communion with us. This is the way it's gonna work. You're gonna exit to the left side of your row going to form a line in each one of the aisles and as soon as the row in front of you is in the aisle you can just file them behind you're going to come around get the elements and then go back to the other side of your row file back in just hold on to your elements and we're going to take communion together this is another one of those times we get to recognize the sacrifice that Jesus made so that we could be at the table with him so that we could have purpose calling so thankful. Let me pray and then you can come and get the elements, Lord. We give you this moment. We give you this time. Be glorified. We stand reverent before you, Lord, in an attitude of worship, remembering and realizing what these elements represent. Examine our hearts, Holy Spirit. Help us to see anything that we need to get right with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, come on out.